it's a second and goal at the three for Tennessee. Mariota from the gun. Handoff. Henry straight ahead. Barrels in for the touchdown. Power football up the gut. And the Titans strike first. Mariota under center. Henry behind him. Handoff. Henry to the left. Busting out to the outside. 10-yard line. 15-yard line. Oh, a stiff arm wow. to the 15 to the 20. 25 down the sideline. Into territory for Jacksonville. He's still going. Henry is not going to stop. He goes all the way. 99 yards. Derrick Henry. That was magical. Mariota on a first down handoff. Up the middle. Henry to the five. Henry cuts it upfield for the touchdown. The trifecta. Derrick Henry is dominating. And the Titans are rolling at home against Jacksonville. Tennessee takes over at the 46-yard line. Handoff to Henry. To the right. Zigzag move. Henry to the 50. 45-40. Henry down the sideline. Can he do it again? Yes. Henry is gone. Touchdown. 54 yards. Derrick Henry is not human. His fourth touchdown of the night. Mariota on a give. Henry running to the right. Loops to the outside to the 10. Henry tripped up at the 5. It is a new franchise record. Most rushing yards in a game. It belongs to Derrick Henry. What a night. Historic for Henry. That was Derrick Henry's monster night, as you heard it on TalkSport. What a performance from him. And the irony that on the day that I interview Chris Johnson for the Gridiron Show and Gridiron Magazine, he gets records broken by Derrick Henry, of all people. So coming up on this show, it's a bit of a different one. You're going to hear me and Ollie as we were live on TalkSport. We do the news during the halftime of the game. We take Taylor Lewan's interview live. We preview all the weekend's games. So all of that's coming up. It's all going to kind of slot together nicely, and we're going to kick off with my chat with CJ2K himself, Chris Johnson. Three Pro Bowls, NFL Offensive Player of the Year, and most importantly, uh, in terms of the way people remember this man, one of just seven players to have rushed for 2,000 yards in a single NFL season. It gained in the name CJ2K. Delighted to say that Chris Johnson joins us now. Chris, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Very well. Indeed. Do people still call you to this day if they see you, CJ2K? Yeah, that's the only thing they, they call me. They don't call me by my name or anything. It's always <laughs> CJ2K. And I guess it was it was easier because even before I got the name um, CJ2K, everybody always called me CJ. So now it's just like, you know, they added that on the end and they always call me that. I want to just go back to, to your time in college, first of all, because at East Carolina, a lot of running backs nowadays, they'll declare at the earliest opportunity. Uh, you stayed your full four years and, and had that amazing senior season. W- was that always your plan, to, to stick it out right to the end? No, my plan was to go to go to college and, and leave after three years or whatever. And then my junior year, you know, I had, had, a, I had got a turf toe injury or whatever, you know, that kind of slowed me down. And I was able to get back to my full self, whatever, like that full year. So it was kind of situation like I it didn't go to the greatest I wanted to go. And, um, you know, I kind of still wanted to leave after that year. But, you know, um, I thought about it, prayed about it, and decided to come back. And, you know, it turned out for the best and ended up being a, uh, a first-round pick. 
Well, it's fair to say that season helped a lot with that. 24 all-purpose touchdowns, nearly 2,000 yards from scrimmage. And, and then, obviously, you, you go to the Combine, and, and people are talking about you as about a second or third-round pick, but you set that record in the 40. Talk me a bit through that. How did it feel going into that day? How was your prep for the Combine? Did you, did you know you were going to be able to run something like that? Yeah, I knew I was going to run a real fast time. And, you know, I had prep down here in Orlando with um with Coach Shaw, Coach Tom Shaw, whatever. Um, so it was kind of like the perfect situation. I was able to come back to my hometown and train here and get ready for the combine and you know going to the combine and you know um, breaking the record and the fastest forty time ever. And, you know that was just a great situation for me, and that, and that was something that, that you know helped me go first round as well. Well, that's I wonder that how um. How many? How much did the interest ramp up after you, your four two four forty? Did you start getting more calls from teams? Did you? Did your agent start hearing more interest after that? I was always getting a lot of interest because going off my senior year, then going off the um, bowl game, I was already getting a lot of interest or whatever. But um, after the forty, you know, I got more interest, more interest. When John Ross broke the record last year, do you follow it each year? Were you looking and seeing if people were breaking your record? Is it something you kept an eye on? Yes, I usually watch every year, and I also watch this past year or whatever. um, Yeah, I've seen it. Um, I don't think he really broke it. I think it's a conspiracy theory. But, um, you know, I'm going to just leave that there. Hey, you... Yours is yours is official. That's the main thing. We know that that one was absolutely 100% official. So I, uh, I, I'm i happy to consider it the official one as far as the magazine are concerned. You then get into the NFL, the 2008 season. Uh, you know, you second in that uh, rookie of the year and, and drafted to the Titans. Get to the playoffs that first season. You know, it, it must have felt a little bit like that NFL was, was going to be an, an easy ride. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because basically, you know, me coming from a small school and then Everybody saying that I would just be a third down back or whatever like that. Um, me being able to go in there and do the things that I did, you know, I always had the confidence to do it. Um, just me, my own confidence. So for me to go in there and do all the things I was able to do, you know, um, you know, I give all the glory to God. And it was just a great situation for me. Uh, Tennessee picking me up, me being able to go and be part of a two-head monster. With me and Lindell, like, um, it was great. Did Did you always know that you would be able to, particularly, we, we'll talk about the next season, but be able to be that true dual threat back, someone who can run it up the gut, catch out the backfield, and, and get lots of all-purpose yards? I always knew I was going to be able to be that guy because especially the guys that were going in, the guys that, that they were saying was going to be able to do it. Like, those guys, like, I was doing the same thing those guys were doing. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't nothing they was doing that I wasn't doing. So, you know, I always had the confidence and knew that I'd be able to do whatever I wanted to do as long as I continue to work hard um, at my craft. So, obviously, 2009 is that unbelievable year. But I, I was really intrigued. I, you know, I have very fond memories of it, but I remember going back and I, I looked at your games and that first one, just 57 yards in a in a tight game against the Steelers, and yet, Next week, you come out, you start setting records for three touchdowns over 50 yards, one of, of 90-odd. So what were your memories of that Week 2 game against the Texans? My biggest memory is them leaving me by myself on a, 
on the, when I went out as a receiver and nobody guarded me. But um, that game, it was a great game. You know, it's just I think we had took the loss that first. We had took the loss the first game, and you know that we kind of took that hard because we was coming off a year when we did went thirteen and three. So that next that next game, we kind of took it hard off that first loss. So we just went in, in the game like we we doing whatever we got to do is try to get this victory. You know, I had I had three three um, touchdowns that game, and um, you know I kind of think that just kind of sparked sparked my year and got me in the momentum and, and stuff like that. It, it was then. It was kind of after that a rough few games. I think it was four losses in a row. But with you doing well on the ground pretty consistently, how frustrating is it when you're personally having a great game, but there are others around you struggling? You know how this league works. Um, this take is so hard to get a victory. So being that I was doing my part in, in you know, um, having good rushing games and touchdowns and stuff, it feels like, oh, man, we need to get some wins because having all these good games, it don't really mean nothing um, for the team if we're getting losses. And, you know, that's what, that's what I was all about and that's what we was all about, trying to – get back to the playoffs and try to win the Super Bowl. And, um, I'm not just – it. not only myself was having good games, you know, it was the offensive line. and um, It just – the ball wasn't falling our way early. And um, eventually, um, for I, I guess after the bye week, we had um, won eight, of, eight out of the last ten games. So we eventually turned it around, but it was just like we hadn't dug ourselves so far in the hole. It was it was real tough to dig our way out, and we barely missed the playoffs. So, do you remember at what point in the season that that two thousand yard goal kind of came into focus? That you thought actually I could go for as many as two thousand this season? Well, I said before the season I was going to rush for two thousand yards or whatever. Um, no one, no one believed me or whatever. But you know, I spoke into existence, and then you know, I. I didn't really pay attention to it, to it going throughout the season, but I think it was probably like around week week ten or something like that. And I think I had, um, not for sure. I think like around week ten or something. I probably had already had like fourteen hundred yards or thirteen hundred, something like that, or whatever. And then um, NFL Network, they you know they start college. DJ 2K putting the picker up and I got a good chance on on getting 2,000 yards or whatever. And then, you know, um, once that happened, you know, just start paying more attention to it. And every week, you know, I was breaking out long runs and having big games or whatever. That final game against the Seahawks, you carried the ball 36 times. I mean, was there a conversation with Jeff Fisher that week that, that you were going to be given the opportunity to do everything you could to break the 2,000 mark? Yeah, that was a conversation going into the week. Um, we need to win this game, and hopefully if things happen right all around the league that we can sneak in and get a wild card. And also we're going to do everything we need to do to help me get the 2,000 yards. So um, we already knew what type of game it was going. It was going to be going into the game. We, they knew they were going to feed me the ball. The defense knew that they were going to feed me the ball and everything. and um, That's what happened, and we came out with the victory. Do you remember the actual run where you made it? Yeah, I think I was running. A, it was a stretch play, and, you know, I um, 
I I cut it cut it up inside and I jumped over a guy or whatever and um, I ended up getting it. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty spectacular play, and this is it. The stretch play, you had that speed to the edge. You were a great first cut, so it kind of like, it was almost like it summed up your game in one play, and you got over 2,000 yards. It's not a bad way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, not a bad play. It was, it was a good play <laughs> to get it on. One of my best plays at um, running that stretch play, that was like, I kind of perfected it. Chris, which are you prouder of, being a 2,000-yard player or actually the fact that you still hold the record for the most scrimmage yards in a season. I think both of them is up there, net to net. The thing about it is seven people in NFL history that have um, ran for 2,000 yards, but it's only one guy in NFL history that have ever had 2509, and that's me, so no other guy has ever done it. But they're still out there net to net with me. Like everyone keeps talking about the NFL now being a passing league. I mean, you were there last season and you still must see what's going on. Great players, Le'Veon Bells of this world. I know he's not playing this year, but Alvin Kamara, who, like you, can be dual threat guys. What do you make of the state of the running back position right now? I uh, mean, it's crazy because when I was going to the league, all those type of guys, smaller guys or guys that catching out of the backfield and doing both things, you know, they viewed us as third down back. They viewed us as third down back, so that kind of was a knock on the guy. A guy was able to do all that and was small or whatever. We was a third down back or whatever. So, um, And it's crazy. So these days, they, they, those guys are praised. Those guys are the main guys. When they go and look for running back, they looking for guys that can play all three downs. Um, they classified guys as playing. When I was coming in, guys that was but uh, a guy that can play all three downs, they was classified as a guy that can stay in on third downs and pick up the pass block. But these days, all three downs is a guy that can stay in and run routes and mismatch against the linebacker and stuff. That's the that's the third down back these days. Back in those days, uh, you had the block on third downs. So those guys that really the guys back then that was third that was classified as a, um, three down back, they taking those guys out on third down and putting smaller guys in the run route. So it's crazy like how the lead have changed so, so quick. Hey, maybe uh, maybe your influence is being seen on the league even still today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to ask one on the current Titans. They're, they're still in the playoff hunt, but it's been a very up and down season. They play the, the Jaguars tonight. What have you made of, of Coach Rabel in the first season in Tennessee? Um, I think he's doing a good job right now. Um, just from going from, to the game last week and, and seeing what we was able to do and able to come out on that victory against the Jets, um, you know, we fighting hard. And, you know, if you ever watch Tennessee, you know, Tennessee's teams are going to fight hard always. And, um, I just think in order for us to make the foul, we're going to have to keep continue rolling these wins out um, and and don't even look at it as like um, don't look at it like looking straight at the playoff we just got to take it one game at a time and win one game at a time and then hopefully when you look up we, we're staying right there in the playoffs and you talked about the quality of your offensive line for that season earlier great to see them being a team willing to do it in the trenches build around those great tackles and, and try and do football a little bit of an old school way in a league where everyone's, like we said, going this passing route. Yeah, you know, um, back then, you know, those guys want to 
often mainly and probably even these days, um, guys on the offensive line, they wanna run the ball. They wanna run, run, run. They don't they don't too much like pass blocking or whatever. So I know these days in Asia when they doing so much passing, I'm not sure, you know, how the offensive line take it, but you know, back in my days, them guys wanna get down and dirty and run the ball. Well look, Chris enjoy retirement enjoy the off season i know it's not really retirement because i'm sure you're going to be a busy man and good luck with everything with the clothing line and and everything you do going forward okay thank you no problem really appreciate your time all right thanks will no you're not paying attention you're literally not paying attention Let's go around some of the other news currently around the NFL. We start in Washington, where quarterback Alex Smith is reportedly dealing with an infection caused by complications from multiple surgeries on his broken leg. Sources told ESPN there is concern that Smith is dealing with a career-ending injury after breaking both his tibia and fibula in his right leg during the Week 11 loss to the Houston Texans. Smith remains in hospital where he's been suffering with the injury uh, since November 18th. Uh, Apparently, Adrian Peterson said Thursday, that the Washington players visited Smith in hospital last week, that he is a strong man. That comes from cornerback Josh Norman. But conflicting reports coming from across Twitter, Ollie, that go everything from he could lose his leg to he should recover from this but may not recover to proper sporting levels. Yeah, I mean, one of the issues is that, and, and apologies if anyone out there is squeamish or eating, but he, um, it, when he broke his leg, one of the bones came out of the the flesh. And often when that happens, there are complications with infection. And it seems that among all of the surgeries, his leg has become infected. And that's why we could see something drastic like a potential amputation. It's a, it's a horrendous, horrendous injury. Yeah, they're talking about potentially multiple surgeries. This did come from uh, from uh, Dr. David Chow, MD, pro, at Pro Football Doc on Twitter, however, where he said, uh, infection is always a worry with an open fracture. That's where the bone pokes through the skin from inside out. But with quick surgical action and antibiotics, osteomyelitis is rarely a long-term complication. So it really is uh, a kind of... A variety of stories out there, but he's one of the good guys in the NFL, uh, yeah. Alex Smith. And so I desperately hope he does come back uh, and does get an opportunity. Didn't have the best of starts to a life in Washington. And uh, they're now going to be pushing forward with the Sanchez. Well, that's because the guy that came in for Alex Smith, Colt McCoy, Colt McCoy also broke his leg. Mark Sanchez, Mark Ch- Sanchez, he of butt fumble fame comes in, um, didn't do anything in that defeat at, Dreadful. Uh, uh, against um, against the Eagles on Monday Night Football. He's dreadful. So you'd think, right, we need a quarterback. Who's the, the next best option? A guy, perhaps, who um, took a team to a Super Bowl, potentially. Colin Kaepernick. Let's bring him in. No. Colin Kaepernick is probably only the, the 30th to 35th best quarterback in the NFL. But that is way better than Mark Sanchez and Josh Johnson, who, by the way, was backing up 
Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco. So you can't say isn't a similar style of quarterback. They're saying that it's about the scheme fit, but there is nothing that suggests that what Washington do with their very sturdy offensive line, with their good run game with Adrian Peterson, is they could tear teams apart with read option, with letting Colin Kaepernick run the ball with his legs. He's going to have, he's had two years out of the game where he's stayed physically fit, so he'll be ready to go. And this to me says, this is a team that claimed Reuben Foster off waivers after a third domestic violence arrest in the space of 18 months and he was cut by the San Francisco 49ers. And yet they won't bring Colin Kaepernick in and I'm sorry, it's because he kneels during national anthems. It's nothing to do with scheme and essentially what you're saying Washington, a team who right now are 6-6 six and six and still have a genuine legitimate shot at the playoffs, is we would rather miss out on the playoffs than bring in a player who kneels during the national anthem. It's pathetic. And Colin Kaepernick has a, a collusion case going against the NFL for teams not signing him, not hiring him because of his his political stance against the national anthem. It's not even against the the national anthem. It's it's what it, it it's what um, the national anthem is is about. He doesn't feel that it represents him, so that's why he kneels. And then it's just. It, it's, it's the fact that it claims to be the land of the free and yet he, he feels incredibly oppressed and probably rightfully so. And he's standing up for others who also feel that way or he's, he's kneeling for others that also feel that way. Um, and it's not, it's, oh man, we're, we're preaching to the choir. A lot of us are here um, here at uh, on Gridiron, Gridiron and on TalkSport. But um, Josh Johnson hasn't thrown a regular season pass since 2011 which is farcical that someone like Colin Ka- Kaepernick isn't in the Colin in the Kaepernick league. has been to the Super Bowl more recently than that. Yeah. Ridiculous. It's actually upsetting. Yeah, it really is. Uh, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. Mike McCarthy has gone back and addressed the team. Uh, the team president, Mike Murphy, Brian Goodekunz, Russ Ball, Joe Philbin, all permitted McCarthy to speak with the coaching staff and with the team on Tuesday to bid his farewells, to say goodbye. I think it's a lovely touch. I think it, it shows that the bad blood isn't there and that this is an acceptance that it was the right time to part way for both sides. Yeah, absolutely agree, and um, I think it's a, a touch of class. Actually, it, it's an organisation that is is steeped in history and and tradition, and I think that uh, Mike McCarthy didn't you say he's only the ninth Super Bowl winning head coach to have been fired? Only the ninth Super Bowl winning head coach to have later been fired by the team he won the Super Bowl with, yeah. and only second for it to happen mid-season to him. The last one was the Colts in nineteen seventy-two. There we go, amazing, and I think he he earned. And he deserved to to be allowed to say goodbye. Uh, one of the names that I've been keen on, you and I both yeah, like. You've been more keen. On I've been I've been keen because you you saw through uh, my fandom of him um, for the fact that he'd already said that he didn't want to return to coaching unless it's in Cleveland. That's Bruce Arians, he of the of the uh, Indianapolis Colts for, formerly, and most recently the Arizona Cardinals. He's battled cancer and survived whilst he was a head, NFL head coach. Uh, he's recently said to Zach Gelb of CBS Sports Radio that uh, he will not be going to Green Bay. If he ever returns to coaching, it will only be in Cleveland. I have no idea. Uh, he said, I just have no desire to coach in Green Bay. It's an interesting case with Bruce Arians, 66 years old, has had cancer on more than one occasion, two-time Super Bowl champion as an assistant coach and as the offensive coordinator at the uh, at the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in particular. There is the fact that the uh, they are... There, there is the fact that 
he his age and his health is going to be a problem for I think a team like the Cleveland Browns. He did play. He was the offensive coordinator for the Browns back in the early two thousands and has real passion for the fan base there, for the city, for what that team are. And they are for a team who have been so downtrodden for so long. The fan base is absolutely phenomenal in what they call the dog pound, their home stadium, but. I think the Cleveland Browns are keener to go out and find themselves a head coach who can be like, who can be the McCarthy to Rogers, the Belichick to Brady. They've got a young, exciting rookie quarterback in Baker Mayfield who looks like he could be the real deal through what 12 games of his rookie career, 13 games of his rookie career. I think they might want to find a younger, more offensive. I mean, Bruce Aarons is an offensive mind, but an offensive mind, a younger mind, someone who can grow with Baker Mayfield, like we're seeing with Sean McVay doing with Jared Goff right now. That is what I think the Cleveland Browns want. They want someone who can take the Cleveland Browns forward for the next 20 years and hopefully win championships and get the team back to competing in the playoffs and and get past this just pathetic run of a lack of playoff football essentially since they they came back to the city of Cleveland so that would be my only concern I like Bruce Arians I'm not completely counting out of the Green Bay job because I think Browns might turn around to him and say actually we're not interested and then suddenly Green Bay becomes a more interesting role for him yeah. I, he's still an outside shout for me, but I think there's a chance. A couple of uh, wide receiver stories to bring you. Emmanuel Sanders uh, he has torn his Achilles, is out for the season. Uh, the wide receiver of the Denver Broncos, who, along with Philip Lindsay, has absolutely been carrying that Denver Broncos offense. Of course, let's not forget they've had three wins on the bounce, the Broncos now, to put themselves right back into the playoff picture. But with Emmanuel Sanders injured this week, with Chris uh, Harris Jr. going out of the game at the weekend with a fractured leg, I think they've basically lost their biggest playmaker on both sides of the ball. And when you are right in the mire in this same area where the Titans are, the Colts are, sitting in around that 6-6 six and six area... I'm afraid my positivity, Ollie, on the Broncos being a wild card has faded very quickly in the last four days. Yeah, I might, I might have to revise my um, my prediction that they're going to win the next four or five games and make it the playoffs. Leaves them with Cortland Sutton, who I love. Um, Wookie, Wookie? Rookie wide receiver. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton as well. They've also got Tim Patrick and River Craycraft on the active roster too. So it's actually a really young um, wide receiving core that they're going to have to kind of blood and, and get up to speed quickly with with um, Case Keenum, who is 2.0 compared to Cody Kessler in this game. Need, we're going to need to head back to Nashville for our game at Nissan Stadium, where the Titans lead 16-2 to at half-time. But very quickly, Kelvin Benjamin wasn't a free agent for very long. He is signed with the Kansas City Chiefs on a one-year deal to the end of the season, just adding a, uh, he's a bit slow and he's a bit lumbering, but he's six foot five. He's built like a brick outhouse. He is ready to be a big red zone threat for that 100%. team. And the Chiefs of you know, the rich getting richer in that situation. An yeah. absolutely unbelievable signing for them. Some tweets coming in on the Colin Kaepernick situation, Peter saying, very well said, Will and Ollie, not only the re- uh, a Washington pathetic, but they're cowards. The entire NFL showing themselves to be cowards and swampy arts, whether we take Colin Kaepernick over Ryan Tannehill in Miami. I know our good friend Simon Clancy wouldn't. That is seven and nine bullshit. We are going to preview the weekend's action, Ollie. And let's make an agreement right now. If there's a game that's not very good, let's skip over it and just give our prediction for it. How do you feel about that? That sounds great to me. Fantastic. We're going to start off with Patriots going for an AFC East clincher against the Dolphins. They're looking to tie up the bye 
for the 10th time in 10 years or whatever it is. It'll be the 10th straight AFC East title. They just... Do you know, they haven't played a uh, a road playoff game. They haven't won a road playoff game, sorry, since 2006. But that's because they barely play them, the Patriots. They are... It, they are ridiculous in terms of the what they manage to do every year. However, the Dolphins, Brady, seven and nine in Miami. Do you think he can do? They can do it again. Get well, a little upset. Seven and nine means that's a, a defeat pretty much every two, once every two years. And yeah. I could imagine that that, that Brady Sammy bringing the tea in. Well wonderful done. work. Where's mine, Sammy? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got him though. I got it. Look, Brady does tend to have a, a, a mishap when he goes south to Florida. But I think the New England Patriots, they're getting they're getting things done pretty economically. They beat the Vikings last week, and it was never really in doubt, ever in doubt. And I think they'll go to Miami. Miami aren't a good team this year. I don't think they're a good team. Xavier Howard is also their best uh, corner expected to be out for this game with a knee injury, further worrying their woes. And I think the Patriots move to 10-3. and three. The Dolphins slip to 6-7. and seven. It sounds like Ollie agrees with me. The New York Jets at 3-9 and nine go to the 4-8 and eight Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen and Sam Darnold looking to square off. I'm taking the Bills in Orchard Park. I'm taking the Bills. I like their defense. Oh, there you go. Particularly at home. Yeah, especially at home. Especially at home. Two-minute warning, by the way, in the Titans-Jaguars game. Uh, it is 30-9 to nine to the Titans. They've got third and six. Uh, if they pick up a first down, then it's just knees all the way. I don't imagine the Jags even bother taking their timeouts at this point. We'll keep an eye on yeah, it. what's the point? Just in case they do, and we'll head back to them to get that Derrick Henry interview. I imagine it'll be Derrick Henry who they get on the... Uh, maybe Rashawn Evans. We'll wait and see. Uh, the New York Giants head to Washington uh, to FedEx Field. They're 4-8 and eight after... A run of three wins in, what, their last five? The Giants turning things around a little bit, particularly good in the trenches against the Bears last weekend. And that's where Washington are really struggling with their injury woes. Uh, but I think I'm going to... Washington are so banged up and they're going to have Mark Sanchez under centre. I'm going to take the Giants to get a fifth win of the season. Oh, my goodness, Willie. We are agreeing on a lot of things. Uh, look, Washington are massively banged up. Don't trust... Mark Sanchez, I, I think the all of this bad press and bad negativity going towards Washington, despite Alex Smith and his broken leg, which is obviously gutting for everybody. But I think the Giants, they've got a bit of momentum. Good win against the Bears last week. All right, the Bears had Chase Daniel under centre, but they still had to beat a very informed team in the NFC. So I think the the Giants have the momentum I'm going to take the Giants. The Titans picked up the first down. They're taking the knees. Now it was a short pass over the middle, finding tight end Anthony Ferska, the undrafted uh, the undrafted rookie. So we're down to less than a minute. We'll head there in just a moment's time. But So I'm going to skip over a couple of the better-looking games and just pick out a slightly rubbish one for us to quickly comment on. Let's talk about... Oh, most of the games left are pretty good, actually. Uh, let's talk about the four eight Lions at the 3-9 and nine Cardinals. I've probably seen enough out of the Cardinals' offence to take them at home. 
I'm doing it because we've got to go back to the coverage. Ollie, very quickly. Yeah, I'm taking the Cardinals. Let's head back to Iron Eagle and Mike Mayock to hear who they get to speak to post-game. We are joined right now by Pro Bowl left tackle Taylor Lewan. Taylor, it's Iron Eagle and Mike Mayock here in the broadcast booth. Congratulations on the win. Derek Henry goes for four touchdowns, and everybody on that offensive line contributes. When a running back has a performance like that, how does that juice up what you guys are doing up front? Uh, it just shows what we're capable of, and, and that, that's the standard is, is running the ball the way we did tonight. Obviously, you're not going to set a franchise record every time you step on the field, but that is the goal, and um, Derek's a hell of a running back, man. I think I don't think I've ever seen we ran that, that uh, double play to the left and he bounced that thing outside and I was watching in awe like I was it was the most unbelievable run I've ever seen in my entire life like he gave beast mode a run for his money on that one <laughs> and Taylor I was a defensive back but for some reason I always had offensive line roommates and buddies and I always said that you guys feed off the run game yeah you might take a lot of pride in the pass game but talk to people about feeding on the run game. I mean, that's that's the goal, man. If you can run the ball, you can pretty much do everything up. Help, helps the pass game, which helps the screen game, helps everything in between. So the run game is serious, man. If you can get the run game going, that opens up your entire offense. You know that. So it's, uh, I mean, it's a special thing to be a part of. They were trying to pull me out at the end of the third quarter, and I said, Derek's got 11. Well, I think it was like eight at the time, and then we lost a couple yards. So I was like, I'm staying in until he, till he gets that thing at least. And, yeah, I ended up staying with the boys the rest of the time, and I, I couldn't be more proud of that guy, and I'm, I'm just so happy to be a part of this offense. And Dennis Kelly coming in as a swing tackle, playing both tackle positions tonight, yeah. right? Yeah, no, he, he's done an unbelievable job all year. I think I think a lot of people, if you look at Dennis Kelly, he could be a starter on, on a lot of teams, And but, you know, thankfully, uh, I mean, you got, you got a guy like Jack on the right, and, and I've held my own a little bit here and there, so, I mean, <laughs> for Dennis to come in, I mean, he, he's there's no drop-off at all, so I'm... Uh, just, you know, great guy, great football player, and I'm real happy about it. But, Mike, I got a question for you. Uh-oh. Oh, no. I remember in the 2014 I draft, knew man, you were, you were going talking here. about <laughs> I knew you were going to go tackle here. coming out. What are we doing, man? What are we doing? <laughs> you, you guys killed me on, on the draft stock, man. Killed me. I got to tell you, I, A, I didn't kill you because I had you as a first-round tackle, which you yeah, were. Yeah, that's true. But I'm talking about, like, you know, you know Greg Robinson, number two overall. I Jake know. Matthews, number six. I, I, I still keeps me up at night. It, it, does, it keeps me up more by the way, just, just so you're aware of that. Yeah. Taylor. I'm, 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 get, I'm getting the old curtain call from a puff over here, boys. I got a boogie. But well done. Thank well you. done. Good luck the rest of the way. I really appreciate it, fellas. Thanks. Have a great day. Taylor Lewan, the man has a memory. That was absolutely brilliant. Taylor Lewan joining Iron Eagle and Mike Mayock and absolutely calling out Mike Mayock for affecting his draft stock by picking him as the third tackle overall and pointing out the other two have been a bit rubbish. Actually, Greg Robinson's had a decent season this season. I'll give him that. Uh, do you want to hear a fantastic stat, Ollie? It's just a random off-the-cuff one, but just uh, one of those. It's more a coincidence than a stat, but I absolutely love it. Yeah, stat me off. So, Derek Henry had only the second ever 99-yard touchdown run in NFL history tonight. Mm-hmm. Tony Dorsett of the Dallas Cowboys had the first one against the Minnesota Vikings in Week 17, 1982. January the 3rd, that came on. Sure, sure. The TV coverage tonight was commentated on and the call was called by Joe Buck. In 1983, Tony Dorsett's touchdown was called by 
his dad, Jack Buck. No. How amazing is that? Father and son calling the only 99-yard touchdowns in NFL history. But some people don't like Joe Buck. I'm a big fan of him. Plus, Iron Eagle did a pretty good job for us. Right, we're going to continue to look forward to the rest of the games this weekend coming up after the break. Hello, Gabby Logan here and I'm pitchside at Welland FC where Suki and his mate Simon have arranged a kickabout to fundraise for sport relief. It's 11.47 on a Sunday. I think some of these players are a little worse for wear. But they're here, they've got their kit on, they're kicking against injustice and smashing poverty right out the box. They're still 2-0 down though. Oh, but would you look at that goal! You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sport Relief, it's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. Ollie, let's preview the rest of the weekend's action yes. uh, quickly. Let's do a, a, a quick fire roundup of the games this weekend. And let's start off with the first of two games, where it's a top five offense against a top five defense. So who comes out on top at Arrowhead? Ravens, Chiefs. I think the Chiefs do because, okay, they're, they're less Kareem Hunt, but it didn't seem to affect them too much last week in their victory. Uh, Shakandrick Chicago- West, Damian Williams and uh, Spencer Ware will share the duties, share the load there. They brought in Kelvin Benjamin, as, as we said earlier on in the podcast and uh, or, or earlier on in the show. And I love everything that they do. Tyreek Hill... And Travis Kelsey, either one of those, maybe both of those ends up having a day because the other one will be covered by that brilliant Baltimore defense. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that I think that the Ravens might cover. It's a near touchdown spread. I think the Ravens will keep it tighter than people expect. I really like their defense. Is that a limb? But the Chiefs had their worst offensive week last week and still put 40 points up. So I am taking the Chiefs at home. Good. Uh, up next, the New Orleans Saints head to Tampa Bay to face the Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium. They're 10-2. and two. They need to bounce back from that horrible loss to the Cowboys. Yeah, what have you got them on this one? I've, I've got them winning and winning handily. I, I think they bounce back massively. I think the offense, that Tampa Bay defense just doesn't make plays. It's got some playmakers in there and yet they just don't make plays. They're not good in the red zone. And I know they make some big plays of their own, big passing plays. Uh, I thought Jameis Winston had a really good game last weekend against the 49ers and has bounced back in a big way the last four weeks or so since he came back into the side. But I can't. Like, New Orleans to bounce back for me. And defensively, they cannot cling to what New Orleans have with Thomas and Kamara and Ingram and and um, and Hill and, and even Brad and Marshall, Austin Carr, the, the rookie Kirkwood as well. They, they can't deal with that. That that Bucks defense is dreadful. So, yeah, it's New Orleans Saints for me. Uh, the Carolina Panthers head to Cleveland to face the Browns. The Cleveland Browns still technically in with a shout at the playoffs. But the key here is that Carolina have gone from being a 6-2 and two team to a 6-6 six and six team with four straight losses. It started with the battering on Thursday night football against the Steelers. And they've had games where they've performed well in the, in the interim there. But not well enough for me. I am taking the Cleveland Browns. Well, Cleveland in the dog pound have been good. But I think Carolina's offense is is just that bit better. Especially with the the second year I man. I believe in Freddie Kitchens. Curtis Samuel and the, and the, and, um, the rookie 
in in is it David Moore? I think it's another David Moore, but Christian McCaffrey as well. I you know you know how I feel about him. I love the man. I adore him. So I'm taking the Carolina Panthers, the Packers against the Falcons in Lambeau Field. Who would have thought that going into Week 13 of the season, these two sides would only have eight wins between them? Wow, you'd have expected at least eight each. Yeah, you would expect at least I too. I think we're going to get, even though I, even though I'm not a particularly huge fan of um, of Joe Philbin, I think there's going to be a bit of a bounce back this week because of the the sacking of Mike McCarthy. I think there's going to be a squad with something to prove. So we had some players come back and get a little, look a little healthier. The Packers and the Falcons have gone four straight weeks without scoring twenty points, something like that. I just. I don't. I think their season is gone in the tank. I'm going to take the Packers here. They can't get anything going on the ground, and despite no. going up against a who knew Devonta Freeman was that important? Well, yeah, know? exactly. Going up against a, a banged up Green Bay Packers defense across the board, I just think the, the Packers offense and they should have Aaron Jones fit. He there was a question mark over his fitness on the offense. I think Aaron Rodgers has a massive point to prove, and we could see. 40 points put up by the Packers. I'm going Packers. Wow. That's quite a big claim. I think he's got but... a huge point to prove. And it, it, it's it's almost, it, he'll he'll bill it as like a, a send-off to Mike McCarthy. Thank you for what you've done. But actually, a lot of people have been questioning his abilities, Aaron Rodgers. And I think that wouldn't have gone unnoticed for him. And I think he'll put on a, a show. The um the the situation currently in the uh, NFL playoff picture now that the Titans have improved to seven and six they move up to level on seven wins with the Ravens who we've both just said we think are going to lose this weekend to fall to seven and six themselves so you have this glut of six and six teams now in the AFC and let's kind of work our way through them starting with the Indianapolis Colts who go to the Texans looking to end a nine game winning streak for Houston. I, like two weeks ago, it have been like Colts, Colts, Colts. I think they're going to be the ones to end it. And then they put up that absolute stinker against the Jags last week. And I realized that Frank Reich and Andrew Luck can only perform a certain amount of magic. And the talent around them just isn't good enough. And then that Texans D is loaded. So Texans for me. Texas defense is great. And what they've got on offense as well, they're, they're moving the ball both in, on the ground and through the air with Deshaun Watson and, and Hopkins really 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 connecting um i think it's going to be 10 wins 10 wins in a row for the texans wow 10 wins in a row that's mad to think isn't it when they when they were 0 and 3 we were like ah they've ruined their season deshaun watson looks like nothing it's not worked just shows you kids don't overreact (laughs) to early season form kids it doesn't mean that (laughs) manchester united aren't going to remain remain terrible for the rest of the year I'm not saying they're going to do a Houston Texans. <laughs> I just wanted to give a thing at producer Sammy. Hey, buddy. You doing all right in there? He's missed being on air tonight, I reckon. <laughs> I'm being told to move on. I'm going to stick on the point for as long as possible. Uh, I've taken the Texans. Ollie's taken the Texans as well. Uh, the Denver Broncos looking to continue their playoff push. Six and six. They go to the two and ten Niners. The Niners looking for the number one overall pick and Nick Bosa. I said earlier that with Chris Harris going down, with Emmanuel Sanders going down, I can't see the Broncos getting to the playoffs. But actually, I just remembered they've got the easiest run-in of games. So maybe they can. And I, I'm, you know, I've got to take them to win in Levi Stadium because 
the 49ers, even in a game when they play well, still have enough penalties and enough mistakes to ruin it. Chris Harris could be back for week 17 if he's needed. Wow. I, I doubt that. Therefore, that they're looking at the wild card if they make it into uh, into the playoffs. I think they'll be playing for him. I think they'll be playing for Emmanuel Sanders. So I've got Denver winning this. I, it's not, obviously, it's not a, a huge thing. Oh, Denver are going to beat the two and, what are the, what are the 49ers? Two and ten 49ers. Oh, what a big shock in Levi's. But actually, I think they'll they'll have this mentality. You know that with with the Eagles last year where everyone counted them out and, and they, they, it, there was this sort of it's us versus them mentality. I think the Broncos may have that. And uh, I've got them beating the 49ers. Bengals Chargers. I said there were some games we could skip over. I'm skipping over this one and saying the Chargers. Chargers. They're 14 point favourites, which yep. is, which I, with AJ Green on IR, Jeff Driscoll, Jeff Driscoll. The, the only thing they've really got going for them is is uh, is Joe Mixon. Blah. He's having a good rookie. He's Tyler, a good second season. Tyler Joe Boyd's Mixon, actually but... having a good season as well, but. Chargers all the way for me. The Steelers hoping to stop their skid in Oakland against the Raiders. They've lost back to 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 back games. Uh, <laughs> they're seven four and one, still with a chance at the bye, but looking like it's going to be less and less potential for that. Um, the worry is when Le'Veon Bell decided to kind of not play this season, they'd have James Connor. James Connor's been declared out for this year, and we said earlier in the week it's a contusion. We didn't know more about it. They're now talking about it being a sprained ankle. He could be missing for the rest of the year. Pittsburgh can't get things going on the ground. I'd still expect them to win in Oakland, but I think this might be a more difficult game for them than the 10-point favoritism suggests. Yeah, uh, with Jalen Samuels coming in, Stephen Ridley behind him, um, I, they're obviously nowhere near as good as what James Conner um, brought, but they're a far better team across great the board. Great offensive line, great, great offensive line, great got, receivers. Those two receivers, you've got the two wide, uh, two tight ends as well, Jesse James, Vance McDonald, and on defense, all right, the defense hasn't been as great the last couple of weeks, but they're going up against. I would say they are the worst team in football, the Oakland Raiders. I know their record doesn't say that, but they are the worst team in football. And I think the Steelers win. Really interesting game happening at the AT&T Stadium as the 7-5 and five Dallas Cowboys face the 6-6 six and six Eagles. The Cowboys win this. They've all but sealed the NFC East for me, even just eight wins because they'll have the tiebreaker over basically everyone. It was this game against the Eagles less than a month ago when really they made that statement. Do you remember we watched it in that bar in San Francisco, that Boston sports bar, and the Cowboys really shocked us all that day, but then have gone on this really great run since, including that massive 13 13- to 10 win. I know massive doesn't sound massive when you give those numbers out, but a 13 to 10 win over the Saints. I do think the Eagles look like a better team since then, though. They had that trouncing in New Orleans, and then since then, they've had two really good performances back to back, beating the Giants, beating Washington, pulled back to six and six. I just think a little bit of momentum might be behind the Eagles, and while the Cowboys' defense did everything right against the, uh, against the Rams, I think the Eagles will have watched that film, will have figured out that they need to pick on the outside and not let the linebackers play up to them. I kind of want to take the Eagles, but Leighton Van Der Esch has been so good, I might take the Cowboys. 
I'm taking the Cowboys, but... I'm going to take the Eagles. Let's have some... Oh, no, wait. Some Barney. I'm just going to some... take the Eagles. All right, I'm going to take the Cowboys then. No, wait. I'll... Uh... Stop it. Okay. Um, look, Ezekiel, uh, if they if they stop him, either in the running game or in the screen game, I then the Eagles have, have got this. But they are averaging, I think it's something like five yards more per play with since they traded for Amari Cooper the Cowboys. Wow. So he's really affected um th- how they're playing on offense in a, obviously in a, in a very good way. But I think the Eagles it, it, it's such a, a fierce rivalry all of these NFC East teams. I think they'll they'll feel they'll just, they'll, they'll, want... they'll try and evoke the spirit of last year. I've got the Eagles here. I want two seven and five, seven and six teams. Sorry, going into the into the stretch to Sunday night football. Our game live on Talk Sport. Trubisky expected to play as the eleven and one Rams head to face the Chicago Bears at eight and four in Chicago. The second instance of a top five offense against a top five defense this season. That's happened sixteen times before this weekend, and the offense has come up on top eleven times. That shouldn't be a shock considering we've been talking about this being an offensive league. But Akeem Hicks is playing brilliantly. Khalil Mack's playing brilliantly. And I just think if they watched that Lions game back last week, with how movable the pieces are on the Bears' front, I think they're going to cause the Rams some real trouble. Rams' offensive line's been playing pretty well this year, though. Oh, it's been fantastic, but it wasn't great against the Lions. They didn't get Gurley going. They didn't get the screen game mm. going. The Lions figured out how to sort out their, their kind of trip receiver bunches they do. The Lions put on paper the way you beat the Rams. The problem is, is that when an offense is that good, you don't just have to have the plan in your mind. You have to actually execute it. The Lions executed it to near perfection and still lost by 14 points last week. I I think the Bears have got more of a chance of staying in a good, tight game. I think I'll still take the Rams, though. Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein will have to manage uh, Khalil Mack and, and Akeem Hicks and, and the rest of those guys. But... I quite like I yeah I like the Rams in this, but you know the, <laughs> I like how much you're thinking about taking the Bears. You know though. the Bears have more interceptions than they do have touchdowns scored against them. That's brilliant, which is an incredible wow. stat. That shows you how much the pressure up front is affecting quarterbacks and how they how they're being played. I think that Todd, Vikings game a few weeks ago exactly they were unbelievable up exactly front. where where um, Kirk Cousins was was seeing so many ghosts. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to take. On. I'm going to take the Rams, and uh, by more than a touchdown. Go for it! Come on, Rams. That's very heart overhead, buddy. Yep. And finally, Monday <laughs> night. That's live on Talksport, of course. Sunday night from one a.m. Uh, Minnesota. At Seattle is the final one of the weekend. Oh, finally, we get a good game on Monday Night Football. <laughs> this is a really good Isn't game. It? This With is the amazing. The resurgence of the Seahawks. They've won three in a row, four in a row. They're playing pretty well. Defense is 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 rolling. The, the Russell Wilson is getting stuff going, and they've got a, a rotating cast in the backfield with uh, Rashad Penny and and Chris Carson. The, the running backs are looking fresh. They're getting stuff going on the ground. They're looking a pretty good all-round team against a Minnesota team that don't travel that well. Six, five, and one Minnesota. Seven and five the Seahawks. The Seahawks have a tough running because they've got the Vikings today. They have the Chiefs as well, and the Forty Niners and Cardinals are probably cupcakes. 
I think if the Vikings want that wildcard spot, I almost think they've got to beat the Seahawks because they get the tiebreaker and they get the advantage over them. But they, and they get the game advantage and they put them. I, um, do you know what? It's the Seahawks <laughs> at home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the Seahawks at home. Listen, if this wasn't. I've taken the Seahawks and the Cowboys on today's show. This is the worst. You're the worst. If this, was, if this wasn't on a Monday night football, say it was on a, on a uh, kind of like a, a, a Sunday. If, if it wasn't a primetime game, I would be calling tie on this. But I don't think the NFL. <laughs> honestly, I don't think the NFL would allow a tie in prime time on Monday oh, night conspiracy football. theories coming out as well so uh, i think the seahawks will win by a point or a field goal yeah seahawks something win like a that. tight one i'm yeah. with you so that's the show as you heard it on talk sport nice little podcast talk sport crossover for you there let's finish off the show by hearing the latest bets with our friends at redzone.bet after a roller coaster of a Thursday night, it's Friday and it's time to look forward to the weekend's games. Check the odds on Sunday and Monday with the very best odds in the business. Don't believe them? Just check the prices. It's redzone.bet and Warren. Afternoon, Warren. How are we doing, buddy? Not too bad, thanks. Well, I apologise for the noise. It's, uh, it's Friday afternoon and I'm at Sandown Racing, so I've got uh, a different sport going off in the background. If you hear any cheering or shouting... Uh, uh, I apologise now. Just living the lifestyle as always. Um, let's uh, let's focus on the, the TV games for this weekend. Then there's two games on Sky this weekend that pit a top five defence against a top five offence. And we start with the Baltimore Ravens at the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. Yeah, now the line here is six and a half points. Uh, Kansas six and a half point favourites. The over under is fifty one. I was surprised to see Oakland put up thirty points last week on Kansas. So. They were able to move the ball fairly well, and this should be encouraging for Lamar Jackson, you know, and, and company. Um, he's, you know, I think he's transformed this offense. He just, if he just develops his pass accuracy, you know, he's going to be virtually unstoppable. And, and Kansas is going to have to box him in, and, and, and if he escapes, it, I don't think they've got a linebacker who can catch him. Uh, and the, the Chiefs' defense is bad in each department. And if he, if Lamar is just serviceable in his passing game, he's going to continue with a good performance. So. Uh, I think Bob Sutton, the uh, Kansas City defensive coordinator, has a history of struggling against mobile quarterbacks. If you look at uh, Watson, Mariota last year, so I, I think this is going to be a real, uh, a real struggle for Kansas. I also think that the Baltimore defense is going to give Mahomes a test. The KC offensive line, you know, it's starting to trend downwards, and they're starting to give up more sacks and hits than they were earlier in the year. If Baltimore can deploy their fierce front to go after him, I think defensive line is going to be overmatched. And, and even if he does escape the pass rush, he always needs to be perfect as a secondary for Baltimore is as good as it gets. So um, I, I think this is... Um, Mahomes is going to make some plays, but they're going to be a dangerous game. He's going to need a quick start. And if Kansas can get to an early lead, I don't think Baltimore have the game to catch them. But I, I, I still fancy Baltimore to keep themselves in this. Uh, you know, they've got the AFC North title in their sight. So I'm going to back the Ravens plus 6.5 which you can do at 25.26 on redzonesports.bet or redzone.bet, our new name. I am um, on my company. It's, <laughs> it's always good to know when great minds are in lockstep because that's exactly what I was calling for this game. We go into the 9.25 window and it's a, it's a massive game in the NFC East as the Eagles head to Dallas to face the Cowboys. Yeah, um, look, I, I think, you know, are the Eagles going to get all their injured defensive players but, I mean, I think they, they only won against the Redskins because some atrocious play calling by Jay Gruden 
and, and McCoy went down early. So, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's not an easy one. Wentz, Wentz has shown some chemistry with, with Tate, so that's going to be interesting to see how that relationship progresses. Um, Dallas, for their you know, defensive heroics against the States, I think they're still struggling on offense. Everyone's going on about the fact they beat New Orleans, but you know, New Orleans only managed to score 10 points, but they only managed to score 13 points themselves. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think this is... And, and the Saints' defense was a bit shaky that night, so my bet for this game is going to be under 44 points. So um, I can't tell you because I'm on my mobile phone and I'm at Soundown Races, as we said earlier. Oh, well, I found it now on my phone. <laughs> Um, the over-under is 44, yeah. It's, so I'm saying under 44, and that's 25-28 on our size in fractional odds. The line is Dallas a three-and-a-half-point favourite, but um, I'm not touching that, so the unders is the way we would go for this bet. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting one. Two defences very much on the rise right now. Another top-five offence, top-five defence situation as the Rams head to Chicago to face the Bears on Sunday Night Football. This is the best match of the weekend, I think. It's one great offensive team against one great defensive team. It looks like Trubisky's going to be back, which is huge. Uh, and, um, but, you know, Bears, I don't think they had any business listening to the Giants myself. Uh, and then they're going to want to right the shit on prime time and make a statement to the rest of the, S- the, rest of the NFC. I think uh, Nagy's going to get his uh, run game going, take advantage of a poor run defense of the Rams. And Trubisky will be able to mix up some, you know, um, run play options to keep them honest as well. On the other side, this is going to be the Bears' Test. If, if they blitz too much, they might get burned by Gurley on screens. But, you know, they've got to find a way to bring pressure internally, get towards golf whilst limiting the yards after the catch for Cooks and Woods. I think they're going to be able to do that. And so the, bear, the bet for me will be the Bears plus three. Um, oh, I've got another uh, Send that to voicemail. Sorry about the bleeping. So the uh, yeah, back back Chicago Bears plus three at fifty fifty nine. The over under is fifty one and a half. If you're interested in that, it's it's a great matchup. And do you know what's also a great matchup? Monday night football for not necessarily the same reasons, but Vikings at Seahawks huge impact on the playoffs. Whatever happens here, yeah, I, you know this is it's an interesting one because when you look at it, you've got one team trending upwards, one team trending downwards. But that's from afar. When you just look at it on recent weeks, and you know. I think you've seen some improvements on the Seahawks. And I thought the Vikings, I think they were a very disappointing performance in, in, against New England in the second half. You know, they had a chance to win the game and they came out flat and allowed New England to move the ball at will on them. And, and I think with some poor play calling, uh, that doomed them on offense. It, it, it doesn't get much easier going into Seattle on a night game. And although they're not as good as they were in years past, playing there, as we said, in a night game, it's very, very noisy and extremely hard proposition for any opponent this is a must win game for the Vikings and Seattle are all but locked in at the fifth seed so I think the Vikings have to give their best performance offensively with Diggs and Thielen burning the Seattle secondary but you know they're going against Russell Wilson and when he's loose he's almost impossible to defend against his elusiveness and I think he's going to negate the strength of the Minnesota defense so this is a Definitely a must-win, can't-win game, I think, here for the Vi- uh, for the Vikings. And I can see Kirk Cousins choking a little bit when it matters. So I'm going to be backing Seattle minus three, which you can get at even money on our site. If you, fan- if you don't believe me and you want to back the Minnesota Vikings, 
you can back the Minnesota Vikings at 10 to 11. The yep. over-under is 45 if you're interested. I'm, I'm definitely taking the Seahawks with you on this one, and I'll tell you for why. The Vikings are big chokers on prime time. They're one and three on prime time this season already. I think that's going to go to one and four. Warren, brilliant stuff as always. Go and enjoy Sandown. And for those listening, please remember it is over 18s only. Full terms and conditions at redzone.bet. And please gamble responsibly. The situation in the Pacific is worse than reported. The Japanese are planning something big. What's the target? Midway. From the director of Independence Day. A couple dozen planes. It's all Japanese fleet. We got the order to launch. Discover the incredible true story. Today we're going to be underdogs. Of the World War II battle. Good luck, boys. Fire! Midway. Download and keep now.